Why, why do you guys think it's a problem to be affectionate in our many of our cultures? Like, why is that a bad thing? It's, it's definitely more, not in the sunnah. Right, you know, the right. Prophet Sallallahu was very affectionate and, you know, made contact with the Sahaba, played with Al-Hassan Al-Hussein and other children. So why are we saying, well, you know, we just can't do that? Um, why do you guys think that we're held back? Well, I think as ki- if you're a kid, you think it's gross that your parents are doing that stuff. No, I th- I think it's yeah. it maybe yeah. that way. I think it's a lot of it has to do with the ultra conservative upbringing of not being fully transparent with children. You know, mm-hmm. I I personally think you know when we're affectionate with our spouses, um, our kids they see that and they see the love. Like anytime you know, even just I give my wife a hug in front of my daughter, she smiles. You know, she likes it. You know, because she course. sees that communication. Obviously, my, uh, you know, our parents' generation, without mentioning specific examples, that was a really weird thing because they never really, and I think it leads back to not being able to talk to them about anything really because we never got any talks, you know, which is fine. May Allah reward them for the monstrous amount of work they did for us, you know, coming to this country. But we never really got any talks, you know, it was known as the S word and you never really talked even to them about marriage. If you did, it was super uptight and uncomfortable. And that that relationship shouldn't be uncomfortable oh man you know and i i never you know i found out everything either in school through friends i never really had had an opportunity you know but that's just the way that generation was which is totally fine but i think um it it became very weird but with our kids generation it's it's based on their upbringing right if they see their parents affectionate and and it brings more love into the family, right? You know? But but some, but some of my friends have told me that their wives, because they grew up in that conservative environment, they never got that talk, and as a result, they became like prudes, <laughs> right? I mean, just to be blunt about it, they're, they're they don't like doing certain things, and like you know, they're. I mean, I was guy. I was telling me one time like Uh-oh. how. Get ready, Kareem. Yeah, <laughs> guy was telling me one time how his wife, you know, how w- 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 one of one of the main ways that a guy will, that a girl will get off is oral sex, like vaginal, like stimulation, right, via the mouth, and you know she's never down for that, and that's something you like would read about. Like Kama Sutra would probably tell you the basics of that, right? Or or <laughs> even like he would tell me his coworkers would tell me that's how you that's how you do it, man. And he's like, no, man, right. she's not down for it because. That's like considered something weird and gross because of her upbringing. Like, and so, so I definitely think that, and that's not just one person telling me. I, I mean, I hear that a lot. Guys, I like to announce the destruction of Mad Mom Luke from today. <laughs> and then, no, no, but, oh, but, 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 but as a result, like, so, so this, the sister's not getting her, you know, climax, right? And now she's like, well, what's it? This stuff is boring. Why do I want to do it? Like, it's a chore. Now it becomes a chore for her because, and she's too prude. She's too much of a prude to, like, you know, experiment a little bit. You know, I'm sure there's more to it, but that, that's how the guys are seeing That's how a lot of guys are seeing it, too. Akramakum Allah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can relate. I remember once I was, you know, giving a seminar on relationships and there were questions at the end, and one brother, I didn't get to him. He had his hand up in the back. Um, sitting next to his wife and, uh, you know, the time was up and then he came up to me after alone and he's like, yeah, brother, I had a question, but you didn't get to call on me cause the time was up. But I wanted to ask, why doesn't my wife give me blowjobs? Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. Cream, like, you well, went up hey, to him. Cream. Thank God you didn't ask that in front of everybody and your <laughs> wife sitting next to you. Uh, and B, you know, his whole thing was like, you know, is it haram and this and that? And we got into the discussion and I was like, listen, it's, it's not about an Islamic, you know, it's not about finding your legal, 
fiqhi justification here, right? And this is a sad thing that some some brothers do is like they play the Islam card, right? They're, oh, it's your obligation, and you have to do this, and you got to put out, and you got to do what I want because you know I'm not even supposed to be monogamous anyways, you know, whatever I'm it is. Right? Monogamous anyways. <laughs> so it's like, so I mean, again, I mean, just look at, for example, let's go back to the, the top needs of research, you know, and even with over a hundred couples that I've worked with. Very frequently you find with men, it's sexuality, respect, and admiration. Those are at the top. And for women, it's affection and care and openness and honesty, you see. So when women feel emotionally validated um, through affection and care and, and loving gestures, they will naturally be more inclined to you know, inshallah, explore more of the physical things that men want. And when men feel the emotional connection through their women of being respected and admired, um, they will also naturally want to perform and do things that please their women physically. And of course, everyone's different, right? I mean, if, if you grew up in America and let's say you had a history with pornography or you've even had relationships, your frame of reference and standard for what is considered you know, healthy sexuality or, or, you know, good sexuality is going to be very different from a girl who grew up and you're the first man she's ever seen or touched or thought about in that way. And so we got to be real here with the um, variation in our actual sexual education and backgrounds. And sometimes our sexual education is very unhealthy, right? Like we believe um, we're, our wives are supposed to be porn stars, right? And it's like, we also got to get real about that. Um, and there are some women that are actually very uh, flexible and open to exploring, but it's the men that are, you know, um, very selfish. You know, they're mm. like, thank you. I, I did, I got what I wanted. And now I'm going to go make a sandwich and watch, you know, Mad Mam looks on YouTube. <laughs> so it's like, you, 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 the, you. we, we we both have responsibility in understanding our sexuality and what pleases our partners and how to, you know, keep things spicy and healthy. Um, and I mean, I love to use the example of Yani Subhanallah. Isn't it true? Umar ibn Khattab went to the Prophet Sallallahu and said, "Oh Messenger of God, I entered my wife from the back. I think I'm I'm doomed. I'm I'm destroyed." Right. Yeah. And the Prophet Sallallahu you know, clarified. He said, "You know, was it from the anal or the vaginal canal?" And he said, "It's the vaginal." So he said, "Okay, you're you're good." You know. But that, that was something Umar went to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and and said, yeah. "Would we ever go to Imam and go, yo, last night, you know, I had some, you know, I entered my wife from the back and I'm worried about that, or I tried some new position that seems weird and I don't know if it's halal or." I, you know, I want to explore oral sex, but I don't know if it's halal. You know, we most of us would never go to a, a man and even talk about that stuff. But the Sahaba went to the Prophet and asked questions about that, asked questions about sexuality. We know the man who loved zina. He went to the Messenger of Allah. He's like, man, I love, you know, banging chicks. Like that's my thing. And but I, but I also want to be, you know, Muslim. So what do I do? And the Prophet said, it wasn't like you are disgusting and how dare you and I'm the messenger of Allah and how do you bring this up? And no, he was an educator. He was a counselor and he connected on that human level. And we know that man walked away saying, I haven't seen a better teacher than the Prophet. And I went in loving Zina more than anything else. And I walked away hating it more than anything else. Exactly. So the point is, is we don't have dialogue about sexuality. Um, I mean, sexuality is mentioned in the Quran. Right. Enter your wives like they're they're a tilth for you, you know, and what's interesting when you know the context here, it's like if a, a sister who, you know, has some, you know, um, feminist slants might look at this verse and go, oh, this is so sexist and blah, blah. It's like, well, do you know, you know, as Bab al-Nuzul, like what are the reasons why this verse was mentioned? And when actually you, you learn about it, 
it's it's not um, unhealthy at all. It, in fact, it's it's to address the the superstitions of the tribes, the Ansar and the uh, Qurayshis, that believe that certain sexual positions meant that it would deform your children, or you know you're more likely to have a boy if you do this or you don't do that. And so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala was clearing the air and being like, "Hey, you guys, go go through the whole Kama Sutra, no problem. It's not going to affect the health of your children or what color eyes they're going to have." You know. So we we don't we we're missing this you know in in our I think uh, our spaces and I mean I would I would love to get to a point where I I could um, have like a class for men to like like men to really you know do their best to learn about female psychology how to please them sexually I mean a real like course on how to do that and vice versa for women right it's like women learning about all those things and what does it mean to be a you know um, attractive. And, and so on and so forth. And of course, every couple is different. And I'm saying I have all the answers, but I definitely have some of them. And I think that if we get started with just kind of general knowledge and literacy about gender needs and relationships and sexuality, then mashallah, you know, like we're going to be able to um, right. uh, create healthier uh, experiences within the home. I hope you do like start a course because you, you're a good looking dude. I take credit. I take a class with you. I think there, there's another class, like one of our former guests. Uh, what, you, you're going to make a decision about making a class based on his looks? <laughs> Judging yeah, a book by exactly, a cover? Exactly, exactly. Like, you know, there's like Like a Garment with Sheikh Yasser Qadi. Sheikh Yasser and I, I've known him for like over 10 years. Uh-oh. But I'm like, yeah, I'm not learning sex from Sheikh Yasser Qadi. Come on, bro. Like, that's not happening. Like, you know, he's an Akira guy. Like, Hadith. It's a, it's a really good uh, a platform that he has on that. The, like, like a, a Garment. garment. It's, yeah. I mean, the videos even, they're very good videos. But anyway, go ahead, Sim. You're going to say something. No, um, Brother Kareem, you made a an amazing point that you know the elephant in the room is is uh porn and the expectations that that we're having for our partners based on porn is um you know problematic you know unrealistic expectations that we have and that that's just a whole nother problem that we were or we're trying to tackle in our communities and it seems like you know problem after problem but um how do you address that that there's so many layers of of these you know, selfishness and and porn and all these other problems that are kind of leading into or, or uh, permeating into our marriages. How do we tackle all these different layers? Well, I mean, you got to start uh, step by step, and and that's exactly what I'm trying to do is is address every case, you know, based on its context. But you know, to put a shout out there to my brothers and sisters at uh, Purify Your Gaze, um, which is a company that I also partner with and do coaching with them. They specialize in sexual addictions for the Muslim community. And so anyone listening out there that knows somebody um, or is struggling themselves, it's, it's a very common thing. It doesn't mean you're a disgusting, horrible, evil person, um, but there is help. And it's anonymous, and you will get, you know, customizable support um, through the modules and uh, through the coaching. So Purify Your Gaze is, is in my opinion, a real um, uh, solution that we have access to today. And it's something that really tries to address just this problem. And addictions in general, of course, because all addictions are the same as far as, you know, the stages or the cycles, whether it's pornography, you know, food, alcohol, drugs, etc., um, there's usually a deeper wound 
uh, emotional wound or, or void that's trying to be fulfilled uh, to some level. And, you know, the reason why we are addicted to anything is because we want to numb ourselves from our actual lives. We want to escape the pain of our actual lives and find a place of pleasure. So what's interesting is with, with brothers, for example, and their sisters too, by the way, who, who struggle with, with sexual addiction. But for example, with brothers, it's like if they approach their wives and they feel let down or, you know, they're not um, interested or they're too tired or whatever it is, um, you know, and this isn't a, to blame the sisters. I mean, being a mom and raising kids is is one of the most difficult jobs in the world, and we can't forget that, right? Um, so it's not like she was at home all day and all she should have been doing was taking a bath and milk and doing her nails for you. It's like she's got tons of things to do for everybody and still be ready for you, right? So we got to have more compassion and patience for our, our wives and, and help them find their own self-care. But going back to the pornography, you know, Many men, when they don't feel sexually satisfied, they justify using pornography instead, right? They're like, well, it's better than Zina. You basically create an unrealistic frame of reference for sexual expectations and sexual pleasure. And so when you go to try the real thing with your wife, you know, depending on who she is or your husband, um, you know, you're most likely going to be let down in some situations because pornography is unrealistic. And it's designed to just be about lust and impulsive pleasure and immediate satisfaction. It doesn't necessarily have um, the aspect of the human emotional connection, which is what you need for real sex, right? Or real making love. Making love, in my opinion, has spiritual and emotional layers to it besides the physical. The physical is just a key to get to that deeper essence of what is it about uh, having sex, right? Cause I see sex as a gift of, you know, not to use the word creation, uh, in the sense of it is a creative force or energy. And so that creative force or energy is a beautiful thing. And many of us are taught that it, you're not supposed to like it. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's actually a gift that we give and your sexual charge. Like if you're a single brother or you're a married brother or woman, uh, and you see someone who's you're very attracted to out in public, that you feel this heightened charge in your body. But we're the ones that, you know, we, we, we transfer that into some mental fantasy or we, it gets locked into our, you know, groin area. And now we're just like obsessed with the sex part. But instead, one recommendation I would offer everybody is think about when you feel sexually attracted to somebody, look at it as this is a heightened energy or charge that you're feeling in your body. And it doesn't have to be, um, released only through a sexual medium, but that that's actually a creative force or power that Allah has put in the human being. And you can actually, through breathing, uh, redirect it and give it away as a, as a gift. And so some, some brothers, for example, when they really, you know, don't fall into those temptations, like watching pornography, um, I, you know, we guide them to take that gift and give it away in a different way. Like that is energy that we know uh, can be transferred from another form because we know, you know, energy can't be uh, created or destroyed. So just transfer it. And we don't have to necessarily just transfer it into uh, something haram or, or watching pornography. Uh, so, so some of these brothers, they when they watch pornography, they basically um, are using it because they didn't feel that connection with their wives are, are satisfied, but they don't realize that the more you watch pornography as a crutch for when that happens, the less likely you will find that connection with your wife again anyways. And that's a big problem. And, and it's basically the deep, you know, hole that many uh, people in that journey 
find themselves in. And one of the leading causes, I think, erectile dysfunction too, right? And right, you're with because your partner, you're, yeah. you're, you're basically numb yourself, yeah. you know, um, and you need crazier and, and more uh, hardcore content yeah. um, because it's like any other drug, right? You're, the dosage that you used to take no longer gives you the same high. Yeah. And um, when you watch pornography, we know this, like the brain goes through similar activities as taking a drug. There's the dopamine rush. And, and of course, if you're masturbating and orgasming, you're actually associating this extremely wonderful natural feeling with something that is on your screen rather than the human being you chose yep. to spend the rest of your life with. Yep. Right. I'm glad Sim had the guts to like bring the elephant into the room. I, you know, cause that's, you know, a lot of times guys will be like, man, I, I want to, you know, I saw something on in a movie or something and I want to get it on and get down and dirty on the kitchen table and break a bunch of expensive China. <laughs> that's like, that, that becomes your thing. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> and you're like, you're surprised like, Oh my. And then you're like shocked that your wife doesn't want to like, break all this expensive china <laughs> you know like well yeah duh if you actually think about it logically like yeah why would you want to do that you know but in the movies yeah because they, they got budget for that you know to, to break break dishes and all this other stuff <laughs> you know as we uh wrap up kareem uh, like normally i always ask like on a subject like this i would ask the guest to like give me your takeaways but what i'm gonna do here today is i'm gonna like tell you what i think we should be doing you know from the guy's perspective and then you tell me if I'm off base or not. So number one, you know, we talked about the love tank, you know, investing into the relationship, like doing things, you know, for your spouse. So I, I definitely think that's something that we should always be like the selflessness that you're talking about. And it reminded me of something I heard. I read from a um, I think a Sheikh Abdul Hay Al Arifi. I think he is a uh, he was a, a scholar from the um, from the subcontinent, uh, a contemporary of Molana Ashraf Ali Tanvi. He talked about how in his entire life. A married life, he was, you know, he never really had expectations from his wife. He always was in a giving mood. And that also, like, led to her, you know, you know, reciprocating that back. And I, and I, we, I, I think the example that I had with my wife and my mom for the Umrah trip, et cetera, kind of touched upon that. Also reminded me a little bit about uh, the other takeaway was, like, spiritual development. Uh, we had Sheikh Rami and Sula on the show several months back and he says that one of the prerequisites that he had he has for anyone who comes to him for marriage premarital counseling is you know a course on spiritual like spirituality and purification of the heart purification of the heart sorry because I, and i think a lot of that ties back to that because if you are working on purifying yourself spiritually through tuskia tuskia to nuts and training the soul you're not gonna be like you're gonna be like luring the gaze which as a result cuts off you looking at other women and then like, you know, fantasizing about other women, et cetera. And that, you know, that dilemma amongst other things. So th those are the two things I think people should take brothers who are having issues with marriage should take away w work on your soul, get right with Allah. And number two, you know, start like doing, you know, understand what makes your wife tick, you know, like, you know, sir, a lot of women, I think it's service acts. It's acts of service. It's going out and like, you know, making sure the house is clean and stuff, you know, M making sure that, you know, your bed sheets are done, et cetera. Because guys, you know, we could probably w – w w we'll get down and dirty in a dumpster. But women want like <laughs> – they, they want everything to be they, – they want stuff to be spotless because th that's what they're thinking about. And then they're not going to get off if they've got some, you know, other headache you know that they're worried. They're worried. They're worried about like the bed sheets. You know, are dirty, etc. You know, am I off base here? That, that's kind of that's kind of my takeaway from this whole conversation. Well, it's it's very um, important not to generalize, but at the same time, we have to because there are general 
themes, right? Um, so are all women and men the same with their needs and how you're going to approach them? No, but there's definitely a foundational framework that I think everyone should be they're planning to get married or they are married and that's one of the things that i try to do you know with with my clients is is actually teach them those things right so like discussing gender roles and and that the fact that there's 100 differences in just how the male and female brain is wired right many of us don't know this so it's like if you knew that you'll be able to understand the masculine and the feminine feminine languages more precisely and it's like any other science or art, you know, it's a skill that you, you develop, right? There's a science and an art to marriage, just like there is to the deen. And so I think that, you know, regardless who you are out there and how much even Islamic knowledge you have, you know, you got to actually get back to the human sciences, because this is something that in our community, unfortunately, you know, I always say like, okay, so we're the religion for all people in all times, but, you know, we're our masters in human sciences and social sciences. We don't have as many as we used to, you know, historically speaking. Um, other other groups and communities are actually on the forefront of human science. And when other people are, they're going to be defining the axioms and the frameworks that all of us will be indoctrinated by when we go to school. You follow? Right. So this is important because um, we can't act ignorantly anymore. We can't ignore uh, these um, concepts and skills which are necessary for healthy human relationships, you follow? And so that's that's my whole thing. And, um, you know, there's a lot to share about that, and I, I would love to come back sometime and, and maybe, you know, have, you know, uh, uh, very specific things to offer. But the first thing, you know, I would leave everybody with is, you know, learn more about what your husband and, and wife's needs are. Um, there's questionnaires online, you're more than welcome to get in touch with me. I'm actually a national practice. Um, I do see people in office here in, in, in California, but I, I do video and phone consultations all over the country. So if you're in Chicago and, and that's something you feel would be useful, no problem. Like we can make that happen. Um, so I think that just learning the essential knowledge and skills um, through human scientists, people that have experience in relationships is, is very important. And the example I'll leave you with is, you know, God bless our, you know, imams and religious leaders. But, you know, if you have, for example, a woman who goes to an imam and says, hey, my husband's like a real jerk and sometimes he gets aggressive with me. And usually, you know, the response is, oh, well, tell him that the best of you are those who are best to your wives. Right. Uh, and that's wonderful. That's a wonderful jewel. But when you go home and you tell your husband that um, it's not really going to practically change anything. So people like myself and other professional helpers in this regard, they, they actually try to create um, a process, a realistic and, and practical process for how to live that concept, you see. And that's sometimes the difference, uh, the, the, the disconnect is we have a lot of wonderful concepts, but we actually don't know how to make them into real action items and experiences. And that's where human science comes in.